You're listening to Hitting the High Note. I'm your host, Kevin Kizak. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, very talented Christina Vane. How are you doing today, Christina? I'm doing great. I'm trying not to melt into a puddle here in Arizona, <laughs> but I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. And yes, it is insanely hot in Arizona right now. Seems like all I can talk about the last couple of days. I just I was here last month and I was in the Grand Canyon area, places at elevation that are just while they're still hot, they're not this kind of craziness. And I really was like, you know, my host here was like, you really should take all your stuff out of your car, make sure you get all your amp out and everything. And I was like, oh, dude, I've been fine. I've been on the road for five months. I've dealt with 105. He was like, we're talking like 118. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll get my stuff out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, first time in Arizona like that in this area, I think. How are you enjoying it so far? Um, it's cool. I'm nearing the end of my tour, to be totally frank, and I'm getting pretty tired. So while I'm glad to be able to cap off the tour with a place where people have already been really great, you know, I got to record some videos um, at Underground Sounds, which is a new, like, new little musical community in Tempe and, and guitar boutique, and they can, you know, by appointment. So it's, it's a great little town, and um, I have two more shows, but I'm just, like, thinking i'm just in la in my head already you know mm -hmm. i'm so close to and i've been so far for most of this tour that i can't believe it's almost over you know i have four days left i leave on sunday to go home so wow. and your tour is called the, the show me your hometown tour yeah um yeah it is it's basically i didn't grow up in the united states i grew up in france uh, mostly in Paris and then in Italy and England and I came to the States for college so I haven't seen most of it and I don't think the coasts are representative of most of the states anyway. Um, so yeah between just going to school on the East Coast and then living in California I was just like if I'm gonna go on a tour well there were a lot of factors the tour itself came from a place of frustration almost in LA and feeling like I wasn't being understood and my music wasn't you know progressing at the rate I wanted it to. And I felt like in other places in this country, people might understand what I was doing a little better. So I decided to go out and seek that out and put together a tour and reach out to the people who support me on social media and get their help and, you know, give it a go. And it's been totally amazing, totally worth it. Um, and in fact, I'm moving to Nashville <laughs> oh, wow. in a month. So, you know, there are definitely places I think that are better for my music and Nashville happens to be one of them so I'm going there but it should be good. And you went to school in the States, you went to Princeton University. What mm -hmm. did you study there? I studied comparative literature. Oh wow. It's the major that everyone's like oh that's good what is that? So <laughs> that's that major. Nice and I understand you speak four languages. Yeah, so if anyone out there is asking, what is that? Which <laughs> is a logical follow-up. Um, it's a major, it's this, the global study of literature, basically. So English, someone realized that English as a major is a little bit narrow, considering the whole world contributes to literature, and there's lots of different kinds of different forms, and different languages, too. So you have to speak, you know, three languages to do the mm -hmm. major. Um, and you basically compare texts from different cultures and different writings and styles. It was cool. 
It's exactly up my alley. I speak French, Italian, Spanish, and English. So. Right on. Those are my languages. To you, what is the greatest part about playing music? Um, I mean, on a selfish level, it just feels really good. And to create, especially for me, is a very fulfilling feeling. Um, a lot of people call it therapy. I, I don't like the cliché-ness of that, but mm -hmm. I think there is some truth in it. It's therapeutic, cathartic, all those things. It can be painful, but sometimes, you know, you want to you wanna cry. Like, people have that tendency, too, so you can indulge in different emotions. So I just think the fact that music is something that we have always had in our society since the beginning of time and that I think we will always have to me means that there's some primal element that is very universal in music and everybody, almost everybody likes music. I mean, it's pretty weird to find someone who's like, and there are people out there I've heard be like, I just don't really listen to music that much. And I'm like, wow, you're a psychopath. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> how can you not listen to music? You know, and of course, different strokes are different folks. Of course, they're not psycho, but um, it is it is odd to me. Like, I think almost everybody in some form enjoys rhythm enjoys the sound even if it's just drum beats you know and and I also think that that's leads into a small tangent of like that's why people need to start respecting musicians again and I mean we've we've always had iffy careers if you go back to medieval ages I don't think it was like a solid career choice back then either but you know um, at least when live music when we didn't have this crazy access to every recorded song ever and huge sound systems that can blast through venues it's tempting i can see like why someone would be like well why would we waste money and deal with the hassle of the band and sound and all this stuff we can just play recorded music and our guests will enjoy it and it sounds clean all the time and it's because you're killing the people that make that recorded music when you do that you know and that's like my one thing is i encourage venues like just ha like hire a band hire the Absolutely. people that are going to write that song anyway you know like and then they have work, and then they can record that music that you can play anyway for your own enjoyment. But I found that from a personal standpoint, trying to, like, work with people, too, even at my level, like, it's a, very, it's a community. There's a whole group mm -hmm. of people that we need each other to survive. Like, I need a graphic person to be able to do my flyers, and they need work, and I need work, too, you know? And um, any way that we can help each other out is really great. So the musical community, but, yeah... It's it's a it's a language and I speak languages and I like it. It's a good language to speak because you don't even necessarily need to speak English to enjoy music. I get fans from Brazil who are like, Oh, have your music, I don't speak any English, I'm so sorry and I'm like, Oh, Gary, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it was the only thing, like I grew up uh doing a lot of things and liking a lot of different hobbies, but music was the only one that consistently was kinda like even when things are really bad, I mean, mm -hmm. I still feel at least momentarily like at peace when I play music. So it was the only thing I was like, life is kind of short, you know? Yeah. I'm going to try and do something almost every day for most of my life. It should probably be something that really does feed my soul in some way. Otherwise, I could just go work somewhere and make a lot more money, mm -hmm. especially with my degree. And I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to find, you know, a more regular job and have a more secure lifestyle. But um, I don't know. There's also that myth of music being like impossible. You can definitely work in music and have 
kind of scary lifestyle, I guess, too, but that's more on the industry side. That doesn't interest me so much. I want to be a performer, so I don't know. It's uh, it's just a tantalizing, awesome, powerful form of communication that I'm glad to speak that language, and I feel, like, also very grateful that it's a talent of mine, you know, and not everybody has that, and I don't have other talents, but this happens to be one I do have, and I think that's awesome because it's makes me feel good inside, you know? Mm-hmm. That's great. What are your top five albums of all time? Um, I don't have a real top five list. I don't think okay. any anybody who enjoys different kinds of music could possibly answer that in a real way. Yeah. But like, for the sake of answering, I would say maybe when I was in middle school, my favorite album was Appetite for Destruction. I thought that was the best album I had ever heard. That was the coolest thing. Um, so I want to stick there on there for, for memory's sake. I do think it's a good album anyway. It's fun. It <laughs> as is. As far as, you know, hair metal goes. Mm -hmm. But, um, let's see. Best album. Um, well, unfortunately, it's tough because I listen to a lot of, you know, um, blues, like, compilations. So, mm -hmm. complete recordings. 1927 to 1929 of Lionel Johnson, Volume 1. <laughs> like, is that, you know what I mean? That's not, like, quite... The same as, like, an album, but, um, yeah, more stuff like that. I like uh, The Best of Jerry Reed. is one of my top spun albums right now. Hank Williams, Gold. That's another compilation, yeah. obviously. Like, I wish I was cool enough to have his individual records memorized, but I like I like the sometimes the compilations because mm -hmm. you just get a good taste of an artist. It's true. Um, so yeah, I've been listening to a lot of that stuff right now. But of all time, I, I, could, I honestly couldn't say. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot no, of great work out question. there. Yeah, I would. I would have had to think about that one for a couple of days probably to come up with like, a good <laughs> answer because I like a lot of different kinds of music too, and there really are like works of art out there. Bonnie Vera's albums are pretty flawless. That's true. He's unbelievable, and Elliot Smith is another songwriter that really influenced me. Cardinology, Ryan Adams. Those, that double set with the Cardinals, like, that's one of my favorite albums, actually. J.J. Kale, The Best Of, is honestly one of my favorite albums, because it has just his best, you know, <laughs> it's like all these great songs, and I put it, it suits everybody, it suits every occasion, it's like cool when I'm driving after eight hours, I can still listen to that album, there's some I can't. So yeah, to answer your question, I won't. <laughs> I'll just list a bunch of things I like. <laughs> that's fine with me. <laughs> so... What basically got you into music was not so much blues music, but Bach, right? Um, yeah, well, yes. In some ways, like, that was my first love, in a way. Like, I liked classical music growing up. I liked rock music. You know, what, what like, made my heart move was, like, mm -hmm. Alanis Morissette. And when yes. I was young... Jagged you know, Little Pill. Oh, yeah. Amazing really album. important album to me. I would put that in my top five for sure because that was really important to me. It's a little saccharine for me now. Like, some mm -hmm. of the... But the hits are just too played out for me yeah. at this point. Like, all I really want. And one hand in my pocket's kind of like, oh, it's a great song, but I've heard it a million times. Um, but, yeah, people like that. And, like, the Cranberries, I had a lot of Anglo influence because I lived in England when I was younger and there were, I went to British schools sometimes. So, like... The Cranberries and the Coors and, like, pop Irish stuff like that sometimes. But um, as far as, like, what I was learning, um, I started on the piano, and that was obviously mostly classical stuff. Mm -hmm. 
But I never got like that into it. I never learned how to read music. It wasn't until I started the flute, and then the flute, I like seriously fell in love with Baroque music and just Bach mostly. Obviously, he's kind of the king of that, I think. But there were a lot of other. Comp I liked a, a Debussy a lot too, which is more romantic, obviously. But those were my two favorite people, um, and I just. I don't know. Ian Clark is a modern flute player, like, writes amazing, cool stuff. And I definitely am a music nerd, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't just like, yeah, I picked up a guitar in my backyard and suddenly I was playing metal. Like, <laughs> I always loved playing instruments and I wanted to learn how to read and it took me a while because I had to find the right instrument to, to motivate me. But so I can read music and um, I know a little bit, you know, a little bit of my theory. But it's been probably four years since I touched my flute, and oh, wow. I don't read music on the guitar really. I don't like apply it to the fretboard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain, but it, it doesn't translate. I can know which notes they are on my flute, but I don't really yet. I'm not able to tell on the staff like where on the fretboard I should play that C or that D. You know, there's a million of them on the fretboard, so it's a very different experience to play from notation. <laughs> not to get too boring, but yeah. Um, what was even the question? Oh, Bach. Bach got you into music, and well, the other part of the question was, uh, what did you like the most about Bach? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I read an article recently where they were talking about how Bach's wife was actually, can be attributed to a lot of things in his later life, because she was, what they thought was just transcribing for him when he was ill, but now they realize that she wrote in a lot of her own ideas to some pretty seminal work. So that's pretty awesome. But yeah, I just really love the um, intensity of Baroque music and the very rhythmic part of like the counterpoint and the bass is is my favorite thing, you know, and melodic patterns and all that cool stuff. And the arrangements are usually my vibe too, like harpsichord and that kind of thing instead of these big, weepy like orchestras. It's not so much my thing. And I love that Bach wrote the most beautiful partita in A for the flute. And then you listen to like his harpsichord pieces and you're just like, oh my God. And you listen to the Brandenburg concertos, you're like, oh my God. Like there wasn't anything he couldn't do. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's amazing. And I don't really listen to classical music these days anymore, but I used to like, just like, you know, in high school, like I'd be listening yeah. to Black Flag and Metallica. And then suddenly like the Brandenburg concerto would come on and be like, oh yeah, I love this one. Like, this is a great one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But as far as, like, getting into music, I think that genuinely, like, that there are people that just have the music funny bone, and I definitely have it because I was just singing. Like, my parents said that when I was really young, they would hear me, like, warbling to myself mm -hmm. in my crib, and I don't know, you know, how do you explain that? I don't think there's, like, a moment where I was like, oh, that sounds nice. I want to be a singer. Like, I was just, like, always had something to say, I guess, and always wanted to express it musically, so... Yeah, I grew up singing all the time, singing along to radio, singing with my dad, and whatever. And I think instruments just naturally followed, you know? Yeah. It's great. <laughs> In your shows, what are your favorite songs to play live? Mostly originals. And it's almost always the latest originals I've written because I'm always really stoked on whatever I'm writing. And it's newer and it's fresher and I want to practice it more and see if anything comes out. Because every time you play a song, it gets a new tightness to it and it starts to make more sense in your head and it just smoother. And so definitely like my, la my latest songs would be like whatever I prefer. And then 
there's a couple of covers that I just love playing and that people just always receive really well. And those are like On the Road Again, Canned Heat. People love that like everywhere I go and it's super fun to play, super simple but groovy. And then as far as like old time blues covers, my one of my staples for a long time has been In My Time of Dying. Uh, it's called Jesus Gonna Make Up My Bed. Jesus Gonna Make Up My Dying Bed slash In My Time of Dying by Willie Johnson and that's off of his, you know, his recordings back from 1927 or 29. Um, Led Zeppelin covered it. I don't know if they credited him. I'm not sure. And I know Bob Dylan also covered it, so a lot of people know it from that, but... I am in love with like Blind Willie Johnson. He's one of my first blues obsessions, and his version's different from how I play it. But I still, I don't know. I love playing that song because I get to, I feel like for a moment, represent, you know, and be like, hey, like people are like, oh yeah, I love Led Zeppelin. I'm like, shut up, <laughs> not Led Zeppelin. Take it back. Like as if they could write something this cool. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, they're great. Don't get me wrong, but like, yeah. The the way I feel about these blues guys, oh my god, it's just they have a spirit that's like untouchable, you know? It's like I don't I don't know anyone who's come close. All the blues dudes, most of them who have followed and women. I mean there's some really talented people. Self included, I'm in this tradition. I don't think I can ever touch that. I think it was such a special time and special mm-hmm. spirit going on that I I don't try it, that's not my goal. I actively have, you know, decided like I need to do my music, which is a blend of modern music that that I grew up on and this amazing old blues music, but I don't. I almost dislike when people try and do straight replicas of the Delta blues. I get it. I don't think it's wrong. You know, if you're starting to like pretend you grew yeah. up somewhere, that's wrong, of course. But like, you know, say you just love it and you want to just write in that style, and it's kind of like, dude, it's been done way better by like unbelievable people who you know, and I, it's a, it's a great thing, and I'm not saying people can't do that, but it's not my, it's not my like trajectory or my vision. I'm not like trying to um, reinvent their wheel. I'm trying to invent my own wheel, which is like got a little bit more of a rock vibe to it, you know, on my band recordings I have, or I'm sorry, on my recordings I have a full band. And I like to use pedals, and I like to use amplification and things that, you know, obviously weren't so much the case for Charlie Patton or Emily Johnson or Skip James or the people that I love. But I sit down with this resonator, and I learned how to play slide because of people like that. And I, that's just in my music, you know, and that's how it comes out. I think that's, to me, a more authentic way to pay tribute than to try and sit and write Robert Johnson round two, like, not gonna happen. I didn't grow up in the Delta, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have that juju, I have my own juju, so. Would you mind playing a little something? Yeah. Okay. Um, Playing a newer original, maybe? Okay.
<laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. My pleasure, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, on your tour, you played last night at the Yucca Tap Room mm -hmm. in Tempe, and you're playing again tomorrow night in Tempe at Extreme Bean. That's right. Coffee. Yeah. yeah, Extreme Bean. And then my last show of the five month tour. Um, it's on Saturday. On Saturday in, in Flagstaff. Flagstaff. Yeah. yeah, I'm super stoked. Um, everyone keeps telling me I'm going to love Flagstaff. And yeah, that'll be it's a, nice a lot way to cooler than Phoenix. Oh, really? Tempe, yeah. It's about 20 degrees cooler. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you mean a literally? Higher. I was like, oh, really? Was it <laughs> up there? People are chill? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone keeps saying, oh, you're going to have green trees, and it feels like you can't believe you're just two hours away. I'm ready for that, because the Grand Canyon was a lot cooler than Zion. Mm -hmm. It's a lot higher up, and there's just more of that mountain tree vibe. And I got there, it was so nice. I was like, oh, I, could st I should have stayed here for five days instead of baking in Zion in the dust. Like Zion wasn't horrible, because it's in a canyon, so you get some shade, but yeah, it was... Ooh. I think I already said that probably. That's how much I thought about this heat business. <laughs> Thank you, Christina, for letting me interview you. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hitting the High Note. I'm your host, Kevin Cusack. Until next time, hope you have a groovy day.